The secret to editing your work is simple. You need to become the reader instead of its writer. Zadie Smith. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hull. And I'm Lee Esses. All month long, we have been addressing people who are interested in editing. This episode is for the authors. We want to make sure that you're getting the most out of the editing process, so you need to know how to work with an editor. There are a lot of editors out there who will take you on. There are a lot of people out there who will accept your money and then run it through a spell check. There are editors out there who sincerely want to make your project better. So being an author that editors want to work with can be a huge step forward for your novel and for your career as a whole. Basically, everything we're saying today comes down to making sure that you and the editor are on the same page, that you guys are working together, not against each other, for the sake of your readers, which is what our opener quote was about. As an author, you need to make sure you have an open mind going into the project. You need to be ready to be edited. That is both making sure your book is in the right place and making sure your brain is in the right place. I've spoken to a lot of authors as an editor, and I've rejected a lot of authors simply because they, in their mind space, were not ready to be edited. They want a stamp of approval. They want it fast. They want someone to read their novel. They don't necessarily want someone to improve their novel. They're looking for somebody like a beta reader or just a cheerleader, which obviously we all need, but right now you're looking for an editor. So you need to be open-minded. You need to understand that things in your story are going to change, and you need to be able to trust the editor to know what they're doing. By even choosing to edit or publish your book, you are handing the book off to readers. It is no longer your story, but now it's becoming a story of the masses. If you are a half-decent author, you're only doing part of the storytelling job. The reader fills in the blanks. The reader adds emotion and context to what you're saying. The reader is finishing the job. So if you don't have this mindset of it's not mine anymore, every single step in the editing and publishing process will be painful. You need to be willing to accept that constructive criticism and make the changes. No, you don't have to accept every suggestion that an editor makes. Please don't. But you need to be open to it. You need to understand that the editor really just wants to make your story better. If you have a reason to not accept what they're suggesting, then talk to them about it. And understand, editors are not attacking you or the book when they suggest a change. They're not going after your story because they think it's terrible. Trust us. The biggest issue comes down to trust. The author isn't trusting the editor to have their story's best interest in mind. They're wondering if the editor is just tooting their own horn and changing something that doesn't need to be changed, or if they're trying to actively make your story worse. 
They don't trust the editor. And I have found that when I'm working with other editors besides Lee, I do not trust them as much because I don't trust that they understand my style because it's a new relationship or whatever. Lee has a lot on her plate, so sometimes I have other editors edit my stuff. But if I have a question, I will almost always send the edit to Lee because I trust Lee's judgment. I will ask her, okay, is this what's best for the story? And she might agree with me. She might agree with the editor. And sometimes she'll come up with a third option. But that trust is key. Otherwise, this whole thing falls apart. So make sure that you as the author are in the right mind space to be open, to be accepting, but to, of course, still reasonably fight for your story. Another way to make sure that you are prepared to be edited is to make sure your manuscript is ready. Editors absolutely want to help the authors as best they can, but it needs to be more than the rough draft, more than that first version of your story before an editor can really help with it. In my talks with industry professionals and other editors, probably the main reason why they reject authors is because the manuscript isn't ready. Editors really want to help every author that they can. That's a lot of why you have a lot of these panels and these kind of things. If they see repeated questions, repeated issues, they bring it up to help authors help themselves. It's really hard to help everybody. So the editor has to narrow things down. And that might be style, that might just be quality of what they take in. So making sure that your manuscript is the best it can be can be a huge difference in working with an editor and working with your dream editor rather than just somebody who runs spellcheck. This is why we often suggest having two or three drafts of your own so that you can work out as many of those plot holes, as many of the problems that you possibly can on your own before you pass it off to an editor, especially more experienced editors. If they see a manuscript and it is riddled with plot holes or inconsistencies, they know that it's going to take so much time to fix that, that they could have had three other projects in that time. While they may want to help you, they may want to help your story, they also have to make sure they meet the month's rent that month. And they want to help as many other authors as well. Another thing you can do with that manuscript to make sure that it is easy for the editor to edit is to make sure you format it well. We mentioned in the extended edition of our last episode that formatting is really important for making sure that the story is ready to be edited. These are things like paragraphing is the biggest issue that I have. I can easily spend a half hour on stuff that the author can already do and making it so you've got that first line indent and you don't lean on the space bar in order to indent it enough and the paragraph spacing isn't weird. The defaults are not what we want to see. Yeah, and tab is also not the same thing as a first line indent. Get rid of all your extra spaces. There are simple things that you as the author can do a control F search for to fix, to get rid of the problems, so that when it comes to the editor, they're not having to muddle through a mess of a format in order to edit. This is also 
if I'm suggesting edits in Google Doc and I format everything from the blog style that's the default to the first line that's normal for novels, then everything looks like it's being edited and you have to individually accept all of them and then I can go through and start actually making edits. It's a nightmare with the track changes, which is how you want to use these tools. So if you as an author are already jumping through that hoop, then the relationship will start off much more healthy. The next thing that you need to be prepared to do with your editor in this relationship is to communicate. You need to have a good open communication with your editor and be willing to talk about anything that may come up. If you don't understand what edits the editor is suggesting, or if your knee-jerk reaction is to just reject it, you need to talk about it with your editor. Find out why they're suggesting that edit, or if you have a reason to reject that edit, talk to them about it. Remind them, hey, this line is in here because of this other thing that's coming up or because of this other thing that was mentioned in the past. Whatever it is, make sure you have that good open communication with your editor so that you both move forward with an understanding that if there's a problem, you can talk about it. A good rule of thumb is if you read an edit and have any emotional response whatsoever, talk to your editor about it. Send them a message most of my people I'm communicating with through Facebook Messenger or Discord. If you want, you could text me. Emails tend to feel like they need to be super formal and have like a huge list of to-dos. So if you're treating email like a just a shooting a quick message out, cool. But don't let these emotions build up. Immediately, as soon as you have that reaction, hey, I was editing this scene, I noticed you did this. This was my emotional reaction. Because the more you sit on those emotions, the less you're trusting your editor and the less your editor can do to make sure that they are helping you tell your story, which is their goal. Don't be afraid to ask questions either. If there's any hesitation, if you're confused about anything that they're suggesting, ask them questions about it. Find out why. Find out the purpose. Be willing to talk to them about it. Their job as an editor is to point out problems. If you don't like when someone points out problems, you probably aren't ready for an editor. You definitely aren't going to be an author that that editor enjoys working with. Now, obviously, a good editor will also point out the good things, the things that are working, the things that they really enjoyed that they liked, so you don't accidentally take those out. But understand their whole goal is to let you know what's not working. Another thing you can do is just give it time. Step back, let it percolate, think about it for a little bit, and then come back to it and see if maybe those edits do make sense or whether or not you're still saying that, no, this needs to stay the way that I had it. That way you can explain more logically and less emotionally, especially if that initial emotional response is a bit heightened. One of the mistakes that I see authors make is they feel like they have to go in order during the editing process, and you really don't. Especially when you're doing multiple phases of editing, things being in order is not that big a deal. 
So feel free to skip that edit if it's something that you need to stew on for a little bit and go on to the easy ones, especially if you're feeling an emotional day because your grandma didn't like your apple pie, whatever. Stuff outside of your story is making you emotional. Go through and just look for the proofreading ones. Then you're still making progress. You're still making the most of the time you have for improving your story but you don't have the emotional investment and risk doing more damage because of external forces. And of course, don't be shy about the spoilers. Don't hold information back from your editor just because you want them to have that fun little reveal at the end. That's not their job. Their job is to know everything about the story so they can edit it properly. So you need to be willing to say, hey, this has to stay in here because later on, the big bad evil guy is going to do this thing and this is the proper foreshadowing for that event. Remember that the editor is the person who can read it for the first time. You as an author cannot. So if you are setting up the sheriff to also be the werewolf that's killing people, we need to know what that plot twist is so that we can help make sure that's consistent all the way through. Because as a pantser, you might have even been surprised by the fact that that ended up being the sheriff. So there might be a little detail in there that you threw in that doesn't belong in there. An editor might miss that if they didn't know the spoiler. You also need to be prepared. This is slightly different than being ready to be edited. This is more being physically prepared to talk with an editor, to have those discussions, and to get that whole thing started. This is things like having that style guide and making it so it's in an easily accessible spot. My instinct for style guides tends to be whatever notebook I'm handwriting in, which is not helpful to Lee. She's better than most at reading my handwriting, still not helpful. (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't know how many times I have sent you a picture of your handwriting and said, what is this word? Turns out it's like four words that are all crammed together. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, missing letters because I end up writing in shorthand. But having that style guide and sharing that style guide can help make the process easier and faster because then the editor doesn't have to ask you, hey, three pages ago you said her eyes were hazel. Now you're saying that they're blue. So which is it? That slows down the process. Not that you should be shy about asking questions. That's not what I'm saying. But having that style guide to already have the answers to the questions that your editor might have can make things flow much faster. You also need to be good with your time. Just as much as you want the editor to stick to deadlines, you need to be timely in your responses, in addressing the edits, in the communications you need to be prepared to answer their questions as they go along so that the process isn't delayed. In Google Docs, at least when I am editing, you can start responding to edits as soon as I make them. I'm not shy about you watching me edit. If your editor is working more with something like Microsoft Word and those track changes, they might send you a chunk at a time three or four chapters at a time so that you as the author can be applying those changes as your editor is working on other parts of your book. This is something that, again, you need to establish with your editor. Have that communication on what sort of expectations they have with you addressing the edits. 
because I am not likely in the sense that I don't want you to touch those edits until I have gotten at least through several chapters ahead, just in case I've come across something and realized an edit that I suggested earlier doesn't actually work. So I don't want you to start putting edits in place if I'm still working through the story. You could at least be reading them and know why they made the edit suggestion in the first place. This sentence didn't work even if the text is right. The edit itself might be wrong. The issue is still an issue. Also, we've said this a lot this month, but I'm going to say it again because part of being ready is making sure that your manuscript is complete. That means you aren't seeking an editor for your first chapter before the last chapter is written. That also means moments where you did the insert fight scene here and then moved on because you're in a word sprint and you don't have that fight scene choreographed yet and you just want to keep writing with the intention of going back later and writing it. Do all of those before your novel lands in my lap. If I ever have a novel come across my editing desk that has those filler lines, I will immediately reject the author and be like, no. Go fix this because you clearly haven't even done a second draft if this is still here. And this is not an author I would pick up again. Just because they are not approaching my time as if it's valuable and they're not respecting their own novel enough to give it a second draft. Also, you need to be prepared to give physical copies if that is something that is requested. Some of the more traditional editors will want a physical copy of the manuscript, which means it needs to be in the manuscript format with the right kind of spacing, the right kind of font. Especially if you are out there soliciting agents and editors or publishers, you need to have those pages printed out, ready to mail in if that's something they're requesting. Of course, look at their submission guidelines because a lot of stuff is transferring more to digital than it was before, but you still need to be prepared to print it. This is also especially true if your editor that you are soliciting is strictly a proofreader. Having a proof copy of the book helps them do their job, because things like the spacing and the weird chaptering and that kind of thing that we talked about during the proofreading episode don't necessarily apply to a Google Doc or Microsoft Word document. So having that proof copy ready and available can make a world of difference in if that proofreader will accept your work. Now, let's talk about the things that editors don't want from their authors, unless they have expressly asked for these things. Most of the time, your editors do not want 100% compliance or submission for all of their suggested edits. Especially with my style of editing, where I have a hard time expressing, hey, this sentence is wrong and here's what, without actually rewriting it. But I don't want you to take my words, not because my words aren't good, but because it still needs to be your voice and your style. So I don't want you to just let me rewrite, even though that's how my editing brain works. I need you to look at that and see, okay, here are the things that she's fixing. Let me see if I can rewrite that in my own style. So I don't want you to just blindly accept all of the changes. These are suggestions. That's even how whatever program that we're editing through is naming that phase suggestions, not the only solution is this. I would say with proofreaders, you want a lot more submission 
than you will with developmental editors because this is how the English language works. If you don't spell this word correctly, you're going to miscommunicate to your readers. Developmental editors and line editors, here's a solution, not the only solution. Remember that this is supposed to be a collaborative effort. We are supposed to work together as the author and editor on this. Neither one is going to just submit to the demands of the other. It needs to be that open, good conversation to make your story the best that it can be. That trust that we talked about earlier of the editor and the author both trusting each other to be good at their job is key. I'm sure the first author name that comes to mind for you as a listener, they have to really trust their editor and their editor really trusts them. So if they're not working together, then it's not a healthy relationship. Another thing that editors really don't want unless they ask for it are those explanations. I will ask for explanations. Why did you do this here? What is the purpose of having this sentence here? And you can go, oh, that's because I'm setting up foreshadowing for this thing here. Great. I'm often asking the questions because it feels out of place. So when you answer the question that tells me how to better give feedback and make your story better. But if I don't ask for that explanation, please don't just give excuses for everything. Oh, well, I was having a bad day that day. That doesn't help the story at all. You're proving my point. Now, obviously, this is slightly different than those moments where an editor suggests a change and you say, hey, this is foreshadowing. If that explanation is specifically because it is relevant to the story, then don't use that as an explanation to not address the problem that arose because maybe it needs to be more clear or maybe something still needs to change about it. That can be the starting point of the conversation with the editor to fix whatever flagged for the editor in that moment. And just a quick note, as an editor, I'm going to say it's probably upstream of when I recognize that this was a problem. If you set up this moment of the character saying this line that ends up being foreshadowing, if you flow into it a little easier, then I'm not going to think this is a weird line. So if you're looking at that in your own or you're looking to become an editor, upstream is almost always the solution to those types of problems. The editor also does not want excuses. The, oh, I was going to fix that, or mm, I know that. They, they just don't want to hear that. It's an indicator that you did not do any work of editing on your own before you handed it off to the editor. And it's an indication of why they should not have accepted you as a client in the first place. Another thing that I really don't want to hear from somebody that I'm editing is I don't need an editor. And I have a note in our podcast notes that you should actually be saying this much sooner. If you don't need an editor, then you're not wasting everybody's time. <laughs> These types of things, well, well, I'm an English teacher. It's like, okay, don't argue with me on this. <laughs> if I say it's supposed to be one space after the period instead of two, well, I was taught two. Great. Good for you. Were you an English teacher in the 50s? <laughs> I was on the writing forums and one person said, what's one rule that you just completely outright ignore in writing? And the rule I put down was don't end a sentence in a preposition. And it started this huge discussion on the forums of if this is a legitimate rule or not. 
And the conclusion, more or less, that we came to was in fiction, it's not a rule. In nonfiction, it's more likely to be applied. But this person was saying, oh, I've been, I think, a, a college professor in the English studies for like 40 or 50 years. That's your problem. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I thought it really loudly. But things like that, where I would not edit this person. This is not somebody that I would edit with because they're pulling titles out of their past and going, well, I'm so-and-so, therefore you have to take my word for it. It's like, this is not a healthy author-editor relationship. Also, in the same vein of the author saying, I am more important, I don't need an editor, or you need to listen to me, is the Oh, I just left that in there so that you can feel useful, too. No. No, you didn't. Just just don't. No. If you are leaving breadcrumbs in your story to make your editor feel useful, <laughs> then the editor and the author are not ready to work together. There's not nearly enough maturity between you to actually sit down and chew through this project. I can see if it's somebody you've never worked with before doing the M&M's thing. I don't remember which. It was like an 80s rock band would always request a certain color of M&M's in their hotel room or green room. They requested that in the contract. And if that wasn't fulfilled, then it let them know that these other things weren't paid attention to either. And because they have pyrotechnics and all of that, it was dangerous. So they had these little things in the contract to be an indicator that the person on the other side was paying attention. But for the most part, unless you're Stephen King, don't do that. If you're a big enough deal to where you're testing your editor past the sample edit especially, then the editor is going to be a big enough deal to be beyond that. They are not going to enjoy not being trusted, not being taken seriously, because again, trust is key. If you don't trust them and you feel like you have to test them, it's not a healthy relationship. There may be times in the search for an editor that an editor will turn you down. And it is a good idea as the author to know and understand why this might have happened. And it can be for a variety of reasons, and there could be some reasons that just absolutely aren't your fault at all. But hopefully if you have this conversation with the editor, they are willing to tell you why they're rejecting you or why they're turning down working with you. But we're going to talk about some of the more common reasons that we've seen of why an editor may turn down a project. The first one is nobody's fault, and I promise you will appreciate this editor turning you down. And that is, they're just not a good fit. They don't have experience with your target audience. They don't have kids that would be reading this, so they don't understand the 12-year-old boy mindset. That genre, that target audience, they aren't aligned with the people you are trying to connect with as an author. Most editors are specialized in some genres. Some will be able to work with a wider variety, but they need to have some kind of link to that. I'm probably not a very good choice to edit a children's book. While I have a whole herd of nieces and nephews, I have not spent a significant amount of time around them. I have not read any children's books in years, so I would not be good at editing a children's book. Another reason for this not to be a good fit is you're looking for the wrong kind of editor. 
If you are looking for someone to help you developmentally edit this book and they are a proofreader, they are not a good fit for your project. You might use them down the line, but at that moment, that editor would reject this novel because it needs line editing, it needs developmental editing, and I'm a proofreader. Another reason they may have turned down the offer is that they just simply aren't interested. It could be just that their preference is they're not interested in whatever genre you've written. I would be a terrible editor for nonfiction because it's super boring and I would never make it through. It could also be that in their sample edit, they just found the story was lackluster, that they weren't really interested in the characters or the plot. And it could be that they are good, that they are interesting. It just isn't interesting enough for the editor to look into it. I actually heard somebody talking about this the other day on TikTok of how some seemingly bad books get to be so popular And it's because they found the right agent at the right time who got them connected to the right editor, and they were all interested in whatever this kind of book was. And it just worked out perfectly. So you have to keep that in mind, is the editor is looking for something that's right for them, that they're interested in reading. Because while they edit, they're still needing to read, absorb, and enjoy the story. And I promise you will appreciate this particular editor rejecting your manuscript on this foundation of them not being interested. It's not a reflection of you as an author or your writing style. It's a reflection of the connection that you guys aren't making. They aren't part of your target audience. You don't want them to be editing your novel. So this is one that feels like it can really hurt because it's a reflection of you as an author, but it's not. It's a reflection of the connection between you and the editor. Another reason why they aren't a good fit for you as an author is their schedule is full. The best editors out there have a lot on their plate. That's a good indicator that they're in high demand. So if their schedule is full, that might just be a ships in the night. We're not aligning right now. Ask me again in two months or ask me for your next manuscript after you publish this one because I can't serve you within your timeline for publishing. The next reason that an editor may turn down a project is that the base story needs more work, that it may be the job instead of a developmental editor instead of the line editor or proofreader that you've contacted. If in the sample edits in the first couple of chapters, they can find easily identified plot holes If any of the summaries are lackluster or meandering, the editor may just say, hey, you need to put a little bit more work into the story before it comes to me. And I promise that editor can tell within the first few pages that the author is not ready, that there are things that still need to be done. Also, to be a little frank right now, if you as the author don't read books, the editor can tell. And they do not want to read and edit books by somebody who does not read books. But reading books cramps my style. No, reading books gives you an idea of what books need to be. And that, I think, is a lot of the difference between someone who writes for themselves and somebody who writes to communicate to reach an audience. So if you're just writing for yourself, there's no need to pursue an editor 
or traditional publishing or anything like that. You don't have to read a lot in order to write in that category. If you want to connect with audiences, if you want to tell your stories, you want to change the world with your writing, then reading a lot is key. And of course, why didn't this editor want to work with me? Because I'm a brat. One of the biggest reasons editors will decline working with an author is that the author is the problem. Trust us when we say Karens exist in the author world as well. The last thing an editor wants is an author who is going to treat them terribly through the whole process. You have to remember this is a professional relationship. Treat editors with the respect that they deserve. If they're coming to help you make your project better, which is their purpose as an editor, and you're treating them like they all exist to serve you, then they're not going to want to work with you. Also, if you treat Lee like she's not worth your time and she just exists to serve you and you treat her terribly, I won't work with you either. And none of my editors at Aspen House will work with you because that's not a relationship that we want to maintain. Remember, editors have networks. We talk to each other. We have forums and Facebook groups and all of that kind of stuff. If an author does verbally abuse an editor, the others will know about it and you may get blacklisted. So just be kind. Which I feel is just human decency. (laughs) But it is a reason why an editor won't work with you. So make sure you don't give them that tool to decline you. Another way the author can be the problem is that the author just simply didn't respect the editor's time and knowledge. Don't send the editor a ton of messages with questions if you haven't even established that working relationship, if you haven't officially hired them, and especially if you're not sincere about working with them. Don't inundate them just to get your questions answered. We love answering questions. We love helping as many authors as possible. And especially I think Lee and I qualify in that because that's why we have the podcast so we can help more people instead of just one at a time. So we will want to answer those questions. But in that time, we could be helping more people that you are now sapping our time and we might even start to dislike the work because we're feeling exhausted by it, which is not what you want from any editor out there. And to be clear, Lee and I are unique cases because we do have the podcast. We do have that discord. We do encourage people to ask us questions whether or not they want to hire us as editors. But editors who edit, and that is their full-time job, are looking for clients. And if you aren't going to hire them, stop asking them a bazillion questions. And if for whatever reason, the relationship has to end, don't end it on a bad note. Well, I'm not going to work with this editor anymore anyway, so I can just be a jerk to them. Don't ghost them. Don't do those kinds of things that are just frankly disrespectful because it doesn't matter to you. Because again, editors talk to each other. (laughs) If it doesn't work out for whatever reason, let them know why. Maybe your budget has changed. Maybe your timeline has changed. Whatever it is, talk to them. Refer to our earlier point about communication. Because you may want to work with this editor again in the future. Don't burn those bridges. And when it comes to respecting that editor's time and knowledge, do not be argumentative. 
I have had so many authors who just decline every edit that I give them. It's like, okay, now we're wasting each other's time and money at this point. Let them know, hey, this is not the direction I was hoping to go with the novel. Step away and terminate so that we're not wasting each other's time anymore. And if you have a reason to decline, be upfront about the reasons. Again, communicate. It really boils down to that, a good open communication. Another way that an author can be a problem in this relationship is to have unrealistic expectations. I need you to have this book edited by next week. Drop all of your other projects and don't feed your dog because I need this book edited now. Not going to happen. Absolutely not. Make sure that you keep an open mind when the editor talks to you about timeline, about their workload and when to expect it. Obviously, the editor also needs to get an idea from you what your publishing schedule is, but you have to be willing to work around their schedule as well. Authors also need to make sure that they have read and understand the editor's policies. Some editors on their websites have policies that authors need to read and acknowledge, and if the author hasn't done that, and it is clear they haven't done that, the editor is going to reject them because, again, that goes back to respecting their time, respecting their knowledge. If you aren't respecting their policies either, then they are well within their rights to decline you. And that goes for making sure that your triggers and such aren't surprising the editor. (laughs) I'm not a huge fan of trigger warnings, especially in the case of the storyteller to audience because they also give spoilers. In this case, when working with your editors, make sure that you give them every single potential trigger warning out there. They get into a car crash. Okay, good to know. Because you want to make sure that you are keeping this story as the priority, not either side's emotions. You're not distracting from making sure the story is good. So if your editor's policies include, I'm not going to do anything that involves hurting children. That's part of storytelling. I get that. That's not something I want to deal with. Okay, great. Not the right editor for you. And if you surprise them with that anyway, because you didn't read their policies, I will come to your house and sneak down your chimney and strangle you. Some of those editors' policies may include mentions about technology. They may have an expectation that you know how to use certain pieces of technology, such as track changes in Word or Google Docs or certain PDF editors or whatever editing product that they're using. If you, as the author, lack the technological understanding to keep up with that, the editor may just decline you. You may need to find that editor who is willing to work still in a physical workspace that will have a physical manuscript. Because if you are going to an editor who likes to work in the digital one and you don't know how to use your computer, they are not going to want to teach you how to use it just so they can work with you. I recently did a sample edit for somebody and they declined every single edit that I suggested so that they could take those edits and move it to a different program and make the changes there. And then they sent me a fresh document. That is not helpful for the author-editor relationship. It was simply because they didn't fully understand the technology. And that's just a learning curve thing. So if you as an author are struggling to work with editors because of the technological issue, most college campuses and libraries have free classes teaching how to use these basic tools. 
I, the editor, cannot continue to help you, the author, because I don't know how you're reacting to my edits. I can't align my editing style to your writing style because I'm not getting the feedback that I need in order to grow as a relationship and as a pair to serve the story. That is another really good point that you bring up that I saw an editor on TikTok talking about. They do not want to receive a clean copy back from their author. They want to be able to see what changes you have added, what changes you have not. They want to see the history of comments, those conversations, so that they know that whole history still. Because they may be editing more than one project at once, and they may not remember exactly what they had asked you to do. So do not send them a clean, fresh copy that does not have those track changes. The final thing that I want to talk about, and the reason why I would reject an author, is because they are just trying to make money with their novel. They are writing what the trends are on TikTok right now. They're writing because they think there's a huge market for spicy fantasy novels. They are writing to pursue money and audiences. So if you are worried about your return on investment, it's not somebody I'm going to work with. It also means that your story is going to lack flair. It's going to lack enthusiasm because you didn't write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. 